Now she is, Captain. Isn't she a beauty? Yes, she is, Mr. Scott. Is she ready to go? Aisa. She's ready to go to the stars. This is the Tri-Tech Games Podcast. It's mission to seek out new ideas, find new games, and to boldly bring the awesome to your game. Mr. Scott, Warp 9. I Captain. And now, our host. This is Bruce. This is John. This is Trav. This is Pixie. Welcome to the TriTac Games Podcast. Your podcast of finding out your best friend is 40, 60 feet tall, but then wait a second, now he's only your height. What happened? What's up with that? Mimmei, where'd you get the where'd you get that dress? Mimmei, how old are you again? Why do your parents let you date? This week we are talking about Fringeworthy in Robotech. This is a special thing being done by Trav and Josie, and we look forward to seeing what they have to say because there are experts on that. Oh, oh and we probably should define something for folks because we're batting around uh, three, uh, TLAs, three-layer acronyms. Uh, RDF stands for Robot Robotech Defense Force. Yes. ASC, Armies of the Southern Cross. REF. Robotech Expeditionary Force. SDF either stands for... Super Dimensional Fortress. Or Shadow Dimensional Fortress. That would have been the SDF-4 later on. Okay. So, yeah, thank you, John, for... I, I forget, being a hardcore fan of something, you throw out turns, you're like, oh, that's right, I got a Reader's Digest version. So a team comes through, so for whatever reason, there's no gun. there's no gunplay... Uh, though they might use some, I, I would hope they would have some form of crowd control weapons, which might, which is what they might use. Of course, this is a team that sends a wind up through, gets the pictures from the other side. It comes back and they go, "Those are guys with guns, aren't they?" Yeah. Uh, I would be on. I would. I was at that point. I would debate my team. I know when I ran the game, my team would debate. Okay, do we go through guns blazing or do we leave all the weapons here? That when they find us, we have no weapons and no reason for them to shoot us on sight. Yeah. Why would they go through at all? Yeah, that's true, too. Unless there's some really burning reason for them to go through, they may just simply say, well, that was interesting. Lock. Why do you keep saying lock it? Why would they lock it? So nothing can come, out, something can come through also. I mean, if you, if you lock the portal, you're locking them in as well. Because we don't know who they are. And it's safer to lock them in than than to let than to leave it open and let them be able to walk in and out. And it's, it's, it, you, you don't you. This is after several. This is like 10, 12, 12 years in the. You know, we're paranoid. For all we know, they're being controlled by. They're being. This is a massive, uh, Meller uh, complex, and they're just waiting for someone coming through so they can just grab them and 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 clone and clone them. You know, basically make Miller uh, duplicates at that point. They would the procedure is you don't know who was on your side. Lock it so they can't get out. Well, what would happen, okay, John, is that if this was a prime, at, as soon as you went, you know, if you look through every portal and every portal has some like military installation, then the next thing you do is you move out to the system platform and start looking at the planet through telescopes to get some idea whether it's worthwhile to go to the planet. Yeah, in this case, you go through, and it's another military complex built around the portal. Because this is the place they found all the dang portals. If it's a prime, and they picked up all the all the portals on the prime and scattered around the system, oh, they they would be all over that. Yeah, so every place there's a portal, there's a military base. That's the point where I would go, what's 40 light years out? That's We brought that up. <laughs> 40 light years out you're going to have trouble making some kind of discernment of what's happening in the system. Well, yeah, there, there it is something I did want to bring up, because by this time, Earth is a spacefaring race. We not only reached our system, 
We've now gone 40, you know, 88 light years out to the Gamma Crux system to try to broker peace with the Robotech Masters. Of course, well, the Invid were attacking and we managed to chase them off, but not before we got stranded out there. That's the Sentinels continuity. Don't really need to talk about that here because that's all away from Earth. Anyways, in 2014, Henry Global, before he died, he said, yeah, we need to help. We need to have a contingency plan to get humanity out into the stars because of what happened during the, you know, the reign of death. We got knocked down to 70,000. We need to rebuild humanity and get them out to the stars so humanity has a chance to survive. So the global initiative occurred and throughout the course of about 15 years, 10 extra solar colonies were created. Uh, Prometheus, Genesis, Eden, and there's seven others. All of them were along the route between Earth and Tyrol. It's 88 light years between Earth and Tyrol. What's to say that, for the purposes of the game, that some of those Star Hub platforms were not along some of those worlds, which would later be colonies, and that's why that they were colonized. Because we find these same gravity distortions as we go through the system. It's like, same stuff as on Earth. What the heck? Yep, they check it out. It's the same thing. Okay, we need to lock this down because we know, okay, lock this down. We have this here. And if they find out that it's a transit system, yeah, I'm 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 looking here. Oh, Josie has the maps here. Um, I have the ones that you gave before the campaign. Well, yeah, the the campaign we're running now. Some of the names: Nova Europa, Providence, Zephyr, Ariel, Haven, New Troy. So those are some of the names of the extrasolar colonies. Thank you for bringing that up, Pixie. I, I remember that I had them because we were. We plot, yeah, we plot, They were plotted out for the Saturday game that we right. were going with. Yeah, they're plotted out for the campaign, so why not? And so, those could be part of the Star Hub platform. There was also another world within, or it's near Earth. Now this harkens back to the Robotech Masters and the fall of their their Imperium. It is called. Savonia. Now, it was a colony of the Robotech Empire, and they decided, okay, we're done with the Imperium, we want Republican rule. They sent in Zentradi to basically quell their, you know, quiet them down. Well, the Savonian Tyrolians came up with their own culture, and the Zentradi became enamored with that culture. When they realized their Zentradi defected, the Robotech Masters sent a bigger force to basically wipe them all out. They managed to escape, but Savonia was pretty much raised to the ground. When you hear in Robotech, Exodor talking about, well, this is the reason why Micronian culture is not to be used to contaminate Centrati culture. That's my best emendation of Exodor you're going to get. It's because of that Savonian revolt. And that was very close to Earth within... You could use that as one of the extra solar or one of the system uh, or the star hub platforms because it's within 40 light years, I believe. Yeah, I'm just, I just did a quick uh, Google on Robotech star map and I'm looking at a map right now. So it's the Cadastre Pretoria and there's Savonia, there's Solus. That map, that's the one I use in the Saturday game, yes. And there's Tyrol with the little red triangles around Tyrol and Tyrius and Lycian. Yeah, those are, yeah, that area, yeah, there, that is all part of what is known as the local group. And if it's 84 between Solus and, and I think Solus is us, then, right? Yeah. And Tyrol, then Savonia is in the backyard. That measurement is wrong. That little where it says that is 100 light years. Because it's 88 light years between Earth and Tyrol. Therefore, that little measurement should be 44 light years. Oh, I see. Because two of those lines is the distance between Solus and Tyrol. So, yeah, actually, that person made that map and they were missing four. Oh, so that's okay. 
Then I'm just going to do this then. Put a piece of paper up to the screen. And put a tick mark here and a tick mark there. That's 44 light years. So anything within that should be within range. And I think Sabonia is close enough where it could be part of the system of platform. Right at the edge. <laughs> you did. You did. I wrote down the distances as well. That one is set at 40 light years. Yep. And this little space station-looking dealy Bob is about as far away as Tyrol is. South of Solus is this little gold thing there. I forget what that is. I don't have the map up right now. As Anatole Leonard secures his control over Earth, in 2029, his warnings come true. The Robotech Masters attack. Because they're looking for the SDF-1. They figured our Zentradi screwed up. Fine. And it's like one of their last bits of their fleet. The Robotech Masters abandoned Tyrol and left the citizens basically to die. And then the Invid came, attacked them, and then the REF came and saved Tyrol. They also say the Tyrolean populace, they love humanity because, hey, you saved us from the Invid. The Robotech Masters make it to Earth in 2029, so this is the second Robotech War, where it is the young, relatively untrained armies of the Southern Cross, led by Leonard, who basically is jumping up and down going, yes, I was right, I knew it, nuke them. He fights a very exhausting war against the Robotech Masters. And just during this time, yeah, IDET were to come in on this, they'd be like, okay, you know what? We got robots, we got hover tanks, we got some more orbital bombardment, we see all these space battles up in the sky. There's a lot of space battles in this, because Moon Base is active, I think Mars Base is active, there's a lot of transit between Earth and Moon, along with a Six mile across mothership. That's the Robotech Master mothership, like one of the last ones. And in the end, it's a pyrrhic victory for Earth. They managed to beat the Robotech Masters. Problem is, that monument with the SDF 1 that was buried, that took a major hit. Spores from the flower of life that were in that matrix over the course of the year, spread all over the planet. And it sprouts like a weed. Now, it's 2031. The Invid, with their sensor nebula, pick up, oh, wait a minute, there's a planet with our flower on it. Granted, it's like a 900 light years away, but the Regis takes her entire race and says, we're leaving Optera and heading there. In 2031, the Invid come like a swarm. Now, Earth has pretty much been spanked by the Robotech Masters, and in that year's time, the armies of the Southern Cross are disbanded. There's no technology left. The Invid wipe out whatever bits of civilization are left. Humanity is turned into a slave race to harvest the flower of life of the Invid. If you don't do it, or if you're caught with protoculture, like if you're like one of the old RDF soldiers, or you're a Southern Cross soldier that just said, I'll, I'll put it in terms, F this stuff, I'm out, and just walks away with his mecha. If you are found with protoculture or robotechnology, the infant just wipe you out then and there. No questions asked. The Invid take over the planet. They, the Regis, who has powers of like matter energy transmutation, she is in effect a goddess. Um, due to the recent retcon, the Regis's home hive, Reflex Point, is smack dab in the middle of Michigan. Because there was a retcon, there was the recent film 08, Robotech the Shadow Chronicles. They place Reflex Point right in the middle of Michigan. Pretty much, and the adjacent hives pretty much cover the Great Lakes. There are hives all over the planet. There are, and it's all bio-organic looking. 
it's all very the, the Imbit have a hive mentality, a honeycomb design on the outside of their hives, major color scheme of purple. And so the Imbit pretty much subjugate humanity. They're blown back about a hundred years. And by this time, if you're using any type of robotechnology, nine times out of ten, you're gonna get either sold out to the Invid or just killed outright. Because humanity, they've been this is now the third war that they the third alien invasion in thirty-five years. Humanity may be in the millions now. There's no global communication, there's no major um, technology. There's no manufacturing. We pretty much are back in the late 19th century. You might have an automatic rifle. You might have an alcohol burning car, but the factories are gone. There's no internet, and the infant pretty much, if the fl- and the flower life took a lot of root in North America. Also down in South America, the rainforests of Africa, Europe and most of Asia are gone. Southeast Asia, they've all gone back to the way they lived 100 years ago. India, parts of China, like Vietnam, Korea, yeah, it's all jungle and it's warm, so the flower life grows well there. But most of the infants seem to be based in North America. It's just where most of the infant sport, because that's where the sport started. So from 2031 to 2037, by this time, you're in a total, another poke of that. Post-apocalyptic Earth. <laughs> the mouth works. It's late, but my mouth does work. Yes. I'm sure the mouth works. Yeah. It but didn't look like it was there. It was like, yeah. You're going to come through these portals now, <clears throat> and they're pretty much going to be abandoned. You're and I did. Actually, yes. What? Counterpoint. Um, the the whole psychic energy thing. Yes, the invid will pick the up. Invid, the the regis will pick them up. Remember, goddess. Yes. She so, will pick up on those portals all throughout the system if it's a prime. As soon as she hits the outer edge of the system, she'll. As soon as she hits the system, and if she's coming from a particular. Well, it's not even a particular direction. Her senses are that. If she's coming, if she's following a path in, and this is a prime, she's also going to pick up the ones that are on the star, the stars, the star. It's a long way. Well, I mean, she'll pick up those, and I mean, she'll notice right. a similarity, but then they'll be, she'll notice that they're centered she'll on Earth. She'll notice these things are there, but that's more important. Yeah. But then when she but sees... She gets to Earth and realizes they're centered, or whatever, whatever... They're centered in the system. They're centered in the system. Okay. It sounds like human telepath, good for... At best, what I think a hundred yards at best. I think no, you can do it. You can do ten miles in the various systems. She's picking up stuff light years away. Yeah, it's it, it's you know, birthday candle. You know, you know, uh, one of those ten thousand watt light bulbs. You know, no comparison in the, in the telepathic power. <laughs> yeah, she. The Regis is as I said. And as you said, while the former bases that were there might have been abandoned, these are probable hive locations because she's going to want to keep an eye on them as well. Right. Oh, no. The Regis, because she can fold space by basically transubstantiating herself and her entire... After, okay, after the Regis got basically jilted by Zor, that anger and rage... She split. She now has a mate, the Regent. He's warlike. He, the Regis, is more concerned with evolution. And throughout the New Generation saga, she ends up building what she called Stage Five Invid or Simulagens, 
human-looking, green blood, but they look human, to try to infiltrate into human society because she's still enamored with the humanoid form, i.e. Zor. The Regent, although just as powerful as the Regest, oh no, he's all about war. He is just, okay, if you have protoculture, I'm wiping you out. Why? Because you're honking me off. The Regis, yeah, she'll also take you out of the picture, but she's also concerned with evolving into a proper form. The Regent still looked like a humanoid, a giant humanoid anthropomorphic slug. The yeah. Regis had much more humanoid feminine features. And so, yeah, she would pick up on these areas and she would probably put hives, if not on the portal locations near them just to keep an eye on them with so you're going to be coming through the portal and if you're not walking directly into a hive you're still going to be seeing these flying crab like mecha zipping overhead every so often because all over the planet there are infant sensor towers which again that bio-organic look to them and they would be like okay, yeah, we have three or four people that just appeared near that anomaly. Send patrol of a couple shock troopers over there. So there is that chance that an infant team will be coming through, or an IDA team will be coming through and having to deal with a 14-foot-tall metallic-looking purple crab with one green eye. Yeah, and we did discuss before this that we have to expect there's some sort of link between H. French where you step through and the portal because, well, you're gifted the language. And I doubt very much it actually puts the language in your head. It, it's more like you have a connection now to the portal and it's doing translation on the fly for you. And Yes. But that's a psychic link. And that should – it's like, you know, you walk around with this little – Silver, silken, you know, to take a term from uh, folks who uh, believe in astral planning, you got a little silver cord attached to the top of your head. I get that reference, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, and the thing is also, because we also may have pointed out that the portals, well, they eat information. They, you know, and they have to get the language. You know, where you get the languages from people. So it's a drain. I mean, it's sitting there going, it's this little feelers out everywhere so it's getting it's not taking a, a big bite out of anybody but imagine a bunch of little little threads out everywhere tapping people for their for their language knowledge and and cultural context so that when someone says something that makes absolutely no sense if you try to translate directly it gets translated you know 23 skidoo yeah it bestows total idiomatic control of the language the major language used among the culture that you come out of the portal of. Now, the Regis, because she pretty much is quite telepathic, uh, because she has a contact with her entire race. Remember, the race pretty much split between the Regis and the Regent. The Regent was killed in battle over Opterra with Bretai. And this is like 2035, 2036, toward the end of the Sentinels storyline but the regis if they are her invid oh no she's connected with them anywhere in the universe so yeah she is quite telepathic she would pick up the psionic energy that would allow for that gift oh she'd pick up on that right away so yeah she there would be hives very close to these portals which means if you come through during the infinite invasion era, the new generation Mospita era, you're probably going to be dealing with Invid. And unless you've got some decent weaponry, blah, 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 weaponry in the late campaign, you might be heading back to that portal pretty quick when you see a 14-foot-tall crab fire lasers at you. And humanity is, like, desperate. From 2031 to 2037, they are just totally desperate. They have had... The crap kicked out of them now three times in 35 years. The Zentradi, the Robotech Master, is now the infant. From 2031 to 2037, humanity's morale is beaten down just... Most of them are ready to just give up. Until the first of three 
RAF reclamation fleets come from Tyrol with a whole new generation of space-born humans and Zentradi half-breeds and a few Tyrolians have joined the fight. And, I mean, these are armadas coming. I mean, these are all new ships. In 2038, and let me get the other date on that. 2038 is the first one. And 99% of the fleet gets wiped out because they totally underestimate the Regis's power and, and forces. Then we have 2042. Second burst, same as the first. 90% of them are wiped out. But now you have the landscape littered with the latest in Robotech Expeditionary Force weaponry and mecha and technology. So if you're coming in after 2038 and you, the warp happens to be there's a crashed Garfish ship or a Horizont shuttle nearby or possibly even an Ikazushi command carrier, the IDET team will see this and be like, oh, okay, yeah, it seems to be made for humans. And, oh, look, there's English on the side of the ship. This is human-made. It crashed here. They might have a fighting chance against the Invid if they pick up a couple gallons and hook the rifle attachment to it. So from 2038 on, the latest in human technology, if an Invid were to come out, an IDET team would have a better chance of surviving. They would have the weaponry and armor necessary to at least stay alive in this world for a little while. Um, the third and final fleet that comes and takes Earth, or comes back to Earth to try to liberate it, because information gets back. They're all coordinating from the moon base, because they kind of stop there, they get on the dark side of the moon, away from the sensor towers, and they're coordinating with the people in the moon base. They send the first fleet, gets wiped out mostly. Second fleet, gets wiped out. It is 2044, the Battle of Reflex Point. The third and biggest wave of REF people come, and they... It's a, it's a battle. Problem is, technology gained from... Okay, we talked about a possible race that might have spread the human gene stock to various worlds. There is an entity known as Hayden, basically a cybernetic god, and he made the race known as the Haydenites. This is from 2008 Shadow Chronicles. It's six years old. I'm not giving anyway any spoilers here. Hayden probably had a hand in spreading humans and Tyrolians out and about. His race, the Haydenites, had a beef against the Invid as well. They gave humanity the ability to hide their mecha from the Invid, and then at the last minute sort of threw a Trojan horse into it and kind of screwed humanity over. So humanity ended up almost losing the battle of reflex point until the Regis was convinced to take the infant elsewhere. When she did, she took all of the protoculture left, except for a very little bit. After 2044, the REF only had enough for one year. And after that, all of their mecha would shut down, all of their protoculture stuff shut down. But in the meantime, Earth was finally liberated. Oh yeah, the flowers of life were... Well, here's the thing about the flowers of life. If you plant them, they regenerate the ecosystem. They leach the radiation from the ground and they clean the water. And during that decade or so that the flower life was all over Earth, all those wastelands from 20 years ago were starting to show life again, finally. I mean, in an inordinately fast manner. Like wait a minute, this, this Earth should not be already regenerating this quickly. It's because of how... Like, it's why um, they call it the flower of life. Um, places like Chernobyl. 
Oh yeah, it would have been cleaned up. Yes. Now. Yeah. That would happen much quicker. Yeah. Because of the wildlife. But in 2044, the Regis, uh, convinced by one of her simulagents, Ariel, basically left Earth and said, okay, you know what, humanity, we're done, we're taking our flowers and we're going home. They found a new world. Earth was finally free of infant invasion, but now they had to deal with hate night treachery. So the Arya had to sit there and had to deal with the hate nights. Their flagship, the SDF-3, did not come back because that led the Third Fleet, but it got lost. And so, another post-apocalyptic era, humanity's trying to rebuild. As I said, if the if IDET was here during this time, they would be dealing with the after-effects of yet another alien occupation. So, as far as this time, and they, and they go to 2040. Yeah, 2044. That's as far as the Robotech timeline goes. As far as I know, there are plans to do a sequel. Uh, Army Gold is planning to do a sequel called Robotech Shadow Rising. It's where the heroes of the Shadow Chronicles, which kind of cover all three generations of Robotech, they're going to go look for Rick Hunter and the SDF group. Which they were, and as I said, it, it's on the it's on the wiki. It, as, as I said, it's called Robotech Shadow Rising. Um, yes, yeah, so the timeline ends at twenty forty four. So, yeah, this timeline covers, oh, you know, the better part of five decades. So that is why I had to break up the various eras and make sub-eras because as an IDET team would come into this world with global technology, you would have to deal with the varying levels of tech and society and interaction between the cultures on that Earth because there were Tyrolians left on Earth after the second Robotech war. I mean, they were stranded. I mean, the Bioroid pilots that were left their mothership was destroyed. They had no way to get home, so they had to integrate with the human population. And thankfully, there were some Centradi left that were able to tell them, okay, this is what you do and not do when you're here. But of course, once the Imdid recognized if you were in a bioroid, you were the first target. The Imdid would have wiped them out first because they are their moral enemies, the Robotech Masters. So, as I said, I had to break it down like this, and Josie was pretty near indispensable because she... You know, my Padawan scribe, she's just there. I had her writing stuff down today, and just she's bouncing ideas on me. Okay, what about this? I'd fill her on that. Okay, what about that? And she came up with some stuff from outside the box. I was impressed. Now, I'm trying to remember what we decided in the protoculture, when we talked about protoculture in the earlier episode. Was it more or less, it's, it's more or less, it's, it's weird science, which means it doesn't, it won't work on Earth Prime. Well, that, again, GM Fiat. Now, my first campaign that I ran with, and I ran it in the Invid Invasion era. Matter of fact, negative 125 Prime, the Coptic Tech Hell, that world. The Coptics were trying to get protoculture and found out it worked. Basically, you could take a loaded mech with a protoculture cell in it and just move it along on a diesel a trailer pulled by a diesel vehicle. Back it, back the trailer in through a portal on a world, boot the mecha up. You don't have to sit there and worry about dead batteries or nothing. Because we decided it's long, if it's an organic power source, it won't transmit as soon as, as John said, as soon as copper hits elect, as soon as electricity hits copper. But because it's a biological energy source, it doesn't get drained by the portal. Yeah, but as, as you explain a lot about this world, it, it, this world definitely has a lot of, well, rubber science. Well, yeah. One way of, of, retro, of retconning this is that they found places, worlds, where the rubber science works. Yeah, yeah. Well, as I said, you, you had said before, if you bring protoculture out into the fringe paths and you decide it's a game changer, because the fact that it's a 
it's a clean electrical source that does not get transmitted. Or it doesn't get drained through portal travel. Yeah, that could be a very dangerous thing. But if you put that weird science tag on it, okay, it'll only work on certain worlds, and you just got it's trial and error. That's the, you have to be on a world that's friendly to that particular thing. that type of weird science. Yeah. yeah. Well, I I don't see how it's going to be a game changer, Trav, because just like anything else, like fuel cells and anything else, those things are ready to go as soon as you go through. The problem is that everything else that they're attached to isn't ready to go. So you still got to wait that 10 minutes. Well, yeah, that's the thing. If you take a mecha through, remember, that mecha is run by a computer system. You still have to reboot. Now, unless you have, you know, a flat, like a flash drive memory that doesn't get wiped every time you go through a, a, a portal, you're going to have to basically reboot. The, <laughs> you have to reboot the operating system of the of you the of the mecha from CD. You got to put Windows back on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or in this case, the uh, the rack of, the rack of, the rack of, of gigabyte DV, Blu-ray DVDs you have the data backup on because you know, here's disc one. And I got to wait how long? <laughs> Uh, I'm sure it wouldn't be like that. You guys are create, creating a you know a, a straw man there. No, no, yeah, I think a flash, a, as you said, a flash memory. Basically, it's there, ready to go. I mean, if you have a purpose, once you know what's going on, you can have a purpose-built computer that basically doesn't lose its programming. It does mean you have to upgrade it by replacing modules, but you know. Well, that's the thing with the quantum mechanics, with the quantum advances made in computing due to robot technology. They would have that where. EMPs would no longer be a problem because yeah. you would have um oh god what do they call it what do they call it I'm blank tempest hardened uh, electronics they would have the next level of that but the thing I was wondering about wasn't the actual protoculture it's the flowers how much rubber science are those flowers and could you actually take them and say like oh Chernobyl on Earth Prime would they grow would they do their magic or would they be basically just be pretty flowers that really don't have any extra magic to them. If we're doing the weird science thing, then yeah, they'd be pretty flowers that are growing outside of Chernobyl. They would not clean up anything because that it, it's a mystical plant. If, for lack of a term, Oh, okay. It means they work just fine and B13 Earth then. I think I actually brought up in a game something protoculture powered being on Bureau 13's Earth. Yeah. That was many ages ago. Yeah, I agree. I, I see no reason why it wouldn't. Yeah. The question is, would it work on the Victorians' world? Well, you said weird science works there. Victorian Earth is kind of your baby, John. So that yeah, I mean, it's 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 it's, it's it would fall into that area. I hate to say it, it probably would work. <laughs> so yeah, it would work on Earth Prime, but it would work on Victorian Earth. It work on Bureau Be Thirteen Earth. Uh, it may not, it probably won't work on the other worlds though. So, um, so the Erders and the, uh, and the Pectorans, it's a pretty statue that you built, you, you brought through the portal. What's it do? <laughs> you know, tugging, tugging to the robot, but the, the Mecca, uh, cause it ain't gonna do dang. <laughs> well, because also, um, and this was retcon with the second edition of the game that came out five, six, seven years ago when they did Robotech the Shadow Chronicles. And now that's the base game. And Macross, Master Saga, New Generation, the Expeditionary Marine Sourcebook, which is their version of the Sentinels. They retconned it where before it was, oh yeah, all the Mecha had Veritech rea or, um, Protoculture Reactors and everything, the Southern Cross and no, what they did now in the second edition was the only thing in Macross that had that had protoculture reactors were the capital ships. All your mecha are run by liquid hydrogen powered reactors. Fusion reactors for the Southern Cross ships. It was the Sentinels and the next gen, new gen, that had P-cells. Protoculture cells, like little canisters about the size of an old oil can that you could plug like a six pack into there and run an alpha or beta, which was the future version of a Baratech fighter for 
a couple months. Then you replace it out. And thankfully, infant and human protoculture cells could be rigged. One could work with the other. But you'd have to be a biomaintenance engineer in order to do something like that. Uh, kind of like Lunk from the New Generation story. For those of you who watch New Generation, the big bulky guy, the one that drove around the Jeep all the time. Um, so, yeah. Because of the fluctuating tech levels, cultural levels, the various influences of the alien races, I had to split it up this way because it would be different at what various points of the history of the Robotech timeline and IDET would come in and what they would have to deal with. So, and this would, this would probably be better as a late campaign type of scenario because personally, I, as I said, I've used the Coptic Tech Hell negative 125 prime and the current Robotech game I'm doing is negative 19.7 Ghost Town. But there are supernatural elements in it, so it's like a really, really off-the-wall Robotech variant. But, yeah, that's still, a late, I would say, a late campaign thing. Because they'd be able to better understand the technology by the time they come through the portal and see even Macross-level Robotechnology. Earlier middle campaign, they'd be like, just, okay, this might as well be Tremelon Tech because we're looking at it going, huh? Speaking to Mellon Tech, you know, we have said that, you know, in a late campaign, uh, I, th we, I hope we have said, because if not, we're going to see it now, you might be possible to play a Tremelon. Yeah, that would be late, late campaign. Yeah, because in Portals, had more information on Tremelon. You could play like an engineer, you know, like a young engineer is with an IDET. Yeah. Oh, this is cute you have. It uses organics, I see. Ha ha, let, let me see. Biotech, so yeah, they'd be like, use some seed to power things. Works for me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It'd be more like, oh, that's cute. <laughs> <laughs> pat, pat, pat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good start. Yeah. <laughs> you put in a hard tech machine. Really? Wow, you ruined the thing. Thanks for losing the motif. Yeah. Uh, Though I can, no, though the way you describe the, uh, the, the, they would turn to the infant and go, oh, you're doing it right. <laughs> yeah, as the infant vaporizes the termellern, yeah. Because the Regis basically transubstantiated her entire, they were just slugs slugging around on the ground, chewing on flowers and bathing in like a juice that was made from the stalks. And after Zor, she felt Zor screwed her over. That's when she's transubstantiated her entire race into probably one of the worst war machines that this spiral arm had ever known. And the, you know, the Robotech Masters, they made their war machine and they were at 10. The Invid put theirs at 11. And just... She... she it, it, they call it alchemy. Basically, matter-energy transmutation, it might as well be magic. Cue the Arthur C. Clarke quote. But yeah, it's basically what the Regess did. She uplifted, by force of will, her entire race to become a war machine. If you had protoculture, you die. No negotiation. Although... There is an episode where there's an invid that negotiates with an REF soldier. Yeah, I'll give you protoculture that I'm getting and you kill off these people. And so, yeah, that they would do that and they would reward certain people with a little bit. Of, okay, we'll let you use this protoculture to take care of your, you know, light your home, but you keep working for us. There were human sympathizers that. You know, it's the whole better to be seated at the right hand of the devil type thing. You had well, sympathizers. I'm not sure that everybody saw the invid as being the enemy of humanity. Oh, no, no. Pretty much with how much they wiped out most of humanity. Yeah, there were well, a lot of the people just stayed low. They just said, if we live quietly, we don't cause trouble. Nobody with protoculture comes. 
Heck, there were some people that moved back to pre-industrial times just because they didn't want anything to do with technology. I said, look what happened when we got into technology. Had to, because they realized anything more more advanced than internal combustion engine would get them killed. They just were blown back that far and scared that much because the input came with just that much force. They swarmed the planet. And so a lot of humans just gave up on tech altogether because they just saw, look what tech's done. We were now going through our third alien occupation in 35 years. We're done. We're going to, we're going to, you know, go back to hunter gatherers if need be. And there are some humans that went tribal. Yeah, they, they look like they could have been Americans, but they lived like the, you know, the Yanomami in the rainforest because they just regressed because they saw the technology was just not the way to go. It got most of humanity wiped out more than once. So that would be something for, let's say, an IDET archaeologist, or not archaeologist, anthropologist. They would look and go, okay, these people, yeah, they're like neo-tribal. And they would realize it's because society had regressed because of these alien invasions, and they just figured, we're going to live off the land and be nice and quiet. If we use technology, it's going to get us killed. That would be an interesting thing for his, uh, IDET archaeologist. I get anthropologist to to note, and if it's only thirty five years, then there's definitely they're being tribal right next to the ruins of Rio de Janeiro. Yes, exactly, and they would it would be along the line, and we have already we already have a number of fringe worlds, John, in the book, and Bruce knows where these humans are living in fear, and off in the distance you see the ruins of a major metropolitan city. They're living out in the forest, huddled next to the fire in the darkness, because something bad happened in that world's past. So, yeah, this is just another one of those worlds that just happens to be a trio of alien invasions. And technically, the Haydenites attacking Earth, you know, after they betrayed humanity, technically it's the fourth Robotech War, but that's just like an Earth system that never hits planet side. But... Yeah, the three Robotech wars together pretty much ravage humanity over and over again. And so a lot of the people from 2031 on, anything that has to do with technology, robotechnology, aliens, they don't want any part of it. They just want to be left alone. Oh, I, I just found something. I was just trying to figure out how big this entire are. Actually, it says the average, in, and this is actually in Wikipedia, the, the, the font of all knowledge. And it says the average centrality are five times the size of Earth humans. If so, if the average Earth human is what five foot nine, five foot eight? No, six foot is, is the assumption. Is the assumption so they're thirty foot tall? So thirty foot tall. Okay, they're not sixty foot, but still thirty foot. Well, the, there there are different types of centrality. You have the advisors like Exodor. You've got the male and female soldiers and officers. Then you've got the high lords like Bretai and Dolza. They're bigger than the rest. Now, the advisors, they were like the early Zentradi. They're the oldest. And they weren't quite up to factory specs what the masters wanted. So they made them the holders of Zentradi law and history and knowledge. That's why Exodor is so smart and is Bretai's advisor. Exor is actually quite a lot older. Remember, the Zentradi have only been around for 800 years. That's about when the, the, the Robotech Master Infant War started, like in the thir- like 1390. Well, the reason I bring that up, because I'm just realizing, okay, I'm just thinking about you know possible gameplay and so forth. I could see a game where, you know, it takes, you know, basically it takes place one of the more peaceful times but there's Entrati on the Earth, and they're non-micronized. During the malcontent uprisings, during the 2020s, yes. Yeah, so one of them, you know, just assuming that a we make they've made contact with with with, with the fringes, and they're busy, you know, they're they're busy getting information and so forth. Like, you know, you could be attacked by this thing called the Regis, you know, in about oh ten twenty years. Um, <laughs> Know about the Regis because remember they're genetically hardwired 
to attack. I'm talking about the United Earth government being told they're going to be attacked in about 10, 20 years by the Regis, and here's what's going to happen, more or less. Maybe not perfect, but this is we got two different continuities anyway, so either this happens and it's great, or this happens and, well, bad things happen. But along the way, a Zentradi, to say he's like 30 foot, um, he's allowed to handle a crystal key. And then we make the roll, and 1%. He's now fringeworthy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's not Zentradi being attuned. They're just not yeah. born fringeworthy. They're not born fringeworthy, but they could be attuned to it. Yeah. yeah. So he's about the right side. I mean, he'll have to go through his hands and knees, but he can go through a portal. What, 25 feet high and about 13 feet wide because they're oval now? So it's kind of like the seven-foot guy just. Yeah, he'd have to do a little bit of shimmying and whatnot, but he could do it. He could get tight squeeze, but yeah. Right. The big question, of course, comes down then to is what happens when he goes, when he leaves the node, and it's what, 18 hours later? Does does his legs shatter at that point? Because, well, he's 30 foot tall, but he's not built to be 30 foot tall. Well, wait a second now. I mean, you know, it's not like this has never happened to, you know, I mean, they're 30 foot tall. So, yeah. you know, and they're they're from a culture that's already got nanotech like crazy. So why couldn't they have had as part of their cloning method something to build up their internal structure so they could be 30 foot tall? You're right. I mean, they- yeah, Josie's saying they would have been. They would have long since shattered apart even on the world that they're on. Yeah. Well remember they made giant size to be gas giant oh. miners. Right. Yeah. So in that case they may actually have like um titanium lace bones or their bones are titanium uh, some sort of either alloy or some organic version of of an alloy. Or they have personal anti grab units. Yeah, well, which, yeah, turn it off as soon as you go through the portal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that would be a problem, wouldn't it? They've got tougher skeletons, tougher. Well, even, even. They just got tougher. Their, their internal, the, the skeleton structure, their internal structure is just so much Muscles, tougher. bones, yeah. Muscles, bones are so much tougher because they've got to hold up that size creature um, all the time. Yeah, the Zentradi, even when they're micronized, they're still stronger than humans. Yeah. They still get bonuses on stats. If you ro- roll up a micronized Zentradi, you're stronger and tougher than a human being. A normal micronized Zentradi could probably yeah. kick most normal humans' butts. And you you previously said the, the gravity on the first class themselves. It's like 0.97G. It's oh, just a no. wee bit lighter than... A wee bit lighter than Earth's normal. Yeah. So, Zentroni, when you on Earth at full size, I don't think there'd be any difference. Yeah. You'd be able to handle himself easily. Yeah. Yeah, so we can we're not worry about the hand, the hand wave. The hand wave is that they were designed to be 30 foot tall and more or less human in stature. You know, basically, they did sticking him... Thighs the size of the size of tree trunks. They get in thighs that small tree trunks, you know. <laughs> yeah, so the, basically, they could. In fact, you know, the answer is yeah. They had no problem outside, uh, outside the node, uh, you know, and uh, and they can operate just fine. That would be an interesting. Uh, I could see you know p- p- people going, yeah, I want to play as Zentradi. They could. Well, see, we went because usually when we do adding fringeworthy two, it's. Okay, an IDET team going into a world with robotechnology as part of their timeline. Oh no, the two campaigns I've done, it's, okay, this is a native of that Earth, and they they have to deal with the portals. So, yeah, I I had to go backwards, because you know me, I don't do Earth Prime campaigns, I just, I always do the native finding the fringe paths and dealing from there. So I kind of had to, for me, this is working backwards. <laughs> Just and Also thinking, because we, we've kind of said that the, that the alternates kind of tend to be alternates of the Prime, but not necessarily. 
they can be all be different, but it's quite possible that one or two of those are direct alternates of 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 Zentradi Prime of of uh, Solus or Earth of Robotech Prime. That's that's what you call it. How would 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 that would that be where the secondary continuity would would work on one of those or maybe you could you could have well I mean the Sentinels continuity still works it's just with this new game they call it it's just the the expeditionary Marines rule book but it's the Sentinels races and the Sentinels timeline well if you're saying two two movies were marked as being uh, as being secondary continuity. Yeah, the Sentinels movie was marked as secondary continuity, and also there was Robotech Two movie. Yeah, I haven't seen that one. I have the because Ro- the Robotech Sentinels movie only did they did three episodes and they just made it a ninety minute film ending with Rick and Lisa's wedding. All anything else with the Sentinels involved was done in comic book or novel form. Okay. Yeah, so there's there's, pos- there's some you know there's potential there for the, the it, it their 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 alt would be would be interesting to visit their their alt worlds because if there's any of them are are alts yeah, yeah you could find one where every where it's everyone had a kumbaya moment and they're all living together in in peace in peace and love yeah I don't think I don't see that happening but yeah. Anyway. well no remember the Zentradi came in and they were like yeah okay they realized that. The humanities had their culture, and they they got into it, and they disregarded. Basically, they repeated what happened in the Savonian Revolt. So, all right, I think I think we're due for a closer here. Uh, let me come up with this. <clears throat> well, wait, wait a second, wait a second. Okay, let me let me put my two cents worth here on this, and that is that most likely, I mean, unless you want to do this and you're intending to do this. Uh, the events that are of the Invid, or what I mean, the whole Robotech thing, you're either going to be coming in before the events of the narrative or after the events of the narrative because it's a 35 year period. And the you know, having it happen exactly at the same time as people are out on the French paths exploring from Earth Prime, very unlikely. Unless, of course, you want it to happen or you want to make it a story verse where it has to happen because, you know, but you see what I'm saying is so there's two there's two major scenarios here where, you know, we have this thing that are that is buried, you know, uh, on the island and they're trying to do stuff with it um, and you come through and they don't know about you. They, I mean, they probably don't know about the, the fringe worthy. Uh, they have they they have don't have the technology yet to identify the portals and everything else. So you could be part of that whole discovery of the uh, of the invid. And as as you said, John, you could go and say, "Hey, there's some bad things coming. Let me let's help you out here. Let's get you ready so you don't end up having the entire world, you know, dec- more than decimated. What's you know, because that's like supposed to be like one hundredth, and now we're talking about one billion left uh, so and then the other alternative is that after all the stuff shakes out then you know uh, you're then coming through and yeah they know where the portals are but nobody's come through and maybe they don't care anymore maybe they, they've been so busy during all this stuff that's been going on they did kind of like stop paying attention to the portals because they're just sitting there inert and have been for who knows how long yeah, or they decided to make to make them a non-issue by pouring concrete over them. We know that stops the portals from working, right? They don't. They don't. But that'd be a viable alternative. You just fill them full, cover them concrete. No one's going through that. Yep, that's right. Except for the fact that if they have the port, if the other, if you say they can detect the portal, then they would be able to detect the warp, right? Uh, that's 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 where it gets fun because the warp is really. It doesn't emanate. It doesn't create gravity waves. It doesn't. It, That's what we said before. I just wanted to see whether we were still on the same page. Oh yeah, John. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. The, the warp. The, so they don't detect the warps. They only detect the portals, the ring station. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, that's fine. Uh, and and then so you've got three choices here as to where how you want to deal with this situation, and you know, and, and it may be. I'm sure that the decision is going to be made based on whatever the GM thinks would be the most interesting game, and uh, you know, pr- which probably means it's going to happen sometime during the narrative. Uh, 
Another possibility that nobody's seen to mention is that you seem to like uh, say that as soon as you walk through the portal, they would grab you. Well, yeah, except for the fact is that you know they, you know, if you're a wily, fringeworthy person, you know, you may look out and say, no, no, no I'm, I'm, I'm not too sure about this. So, but what they could do is that recognizing that this is a portal. Uh, or something like that, you know, some kind of a, a mechanism, especially when there's multiple of them, or a hearing device, or something like that. They may set up honeypots. They may actually set up an, a stage, an entire scene, you know, with robotics or things like that outside the portal. So if you do look through the portal, you see something that looks completely benign. And you go through, and everything is, you know, all very fine until you get so far, and then all of a sudden, you know, the walls fold in and roll across the portal, and now you're locked for going back through the portal. Yep, the net drops from the ceiling, and you're captured. Yeah, except I think that would be obvious. <laughs> yep. All you need is one otaku, in your, at least in your players, who go, this is Robotech. You know, I, my characters were otaku. Uh, I got all. I got. I, I. You know, we just hand them. Here's your history, and here's your future. And even though we're going to say, you know, butterflies are going to flap their wings and change that future, it still would freak them out that you know who they are, and they never met you before. Yeah, well, John, it doesn't take an otaku to know something about Robotech. It was on American primetime television. Yeah. Uh, in fact, listening to some uh, British folks, it was also in Britain, too. <laughs> oh, no, it was the worldwide phenomena. As I said, last year marked its 30th anniversary, and, um, okay, the, the, the current Batman v Superman with Aquaman, Jason Momoa, the man who is doing the Aquaman solo movie in a few years afterwards, Sony Pictures has, is it Sony? Or Warner Brothers has the Robotech rights now. I think it's Sony. Okay, you would know better than I do. Okay, well, anyways, James Wan will be doing a live-action Robotech movie probably sometime in the next half-decade. So Robotech is a worldwide phenomenon, and this movie is planned. It's just he's scheduled to do the Jason Momoa Aquaman solo movie first. Sony Pictures. I just looked it up. Yeah. I mean, if they did the same kind of the, the great work they did with with the, with the battleship y- 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 Yamato, can I get it pronounced right? Yamato, uh, it'd be great. <laughs> I mean, have you seen the live action version of that? I think I've caught glimpses no. of the trailer. Yeah, it looked pretty good. It's it's wonderful. It's it, they've it, they've condensed the entire series into one movie, but you know. Mixing Fringeworthy with Robotech allows an exploration of a very rich and somewhat tumultuous timeline. And it could allow the chance for an IDET to gain access to incredible technology. Because just because protoculture may not work out on the fringe paths, depending on your GM... They still have laser rifles. They still have safe-botted heat ammunition for M21 assault rifles, all of which could be replicated on Earth Prime. So, all of which are scary. Yes. <laughs> Mixing fringe-worthy with Robotech does allow for some pretty high adventure because you have this Earth going through three different alien invasions. And the story of Robotech itself was unique in the fact that it was animation that showed war and it really didn't show, it didn't cut pulling punches. You saw death, you saw war, you saw romance, you saw all these things that were not normal in your typical afternoon animation, which is why Robotech as far as animation goes, is still a driving force today, why it's 30 years strong, and as I mentioned earlier with the live-action movie coming out in a few years, has no real intention of stopping. So as you decide possibly to throw a robo-technology world onto the fringe paths for your players to play, let us know how that turns out. Hopefully the stuff that we talked about as I described the timeline and how it plays out, let us know in 
fans of the TriTech podcast, fringeworthy RPG fans, our Google groups, I believe our Yahoo groups are still going. Comment on the Podbean site itself. If you're listening to this through iTunes, throw a comment there. If there's any question on how I integrated the two different intellectual properties, the question will get to me and I will be glad to answer them. Our TriTech forums at TriTechGamers.com. I pop on there every once in a while. So, by all means, if you have questions about mixing these two together, Fringeworthy with Robotech, let us know and we will answer your questions to the best of our ability. We will have more for you next week, but until then. This is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million, million worlds out there, so go explore them. This is John Ryer saying keep your powder dry and keep those cards and letters coming in. This is Blix. Don't hate the game, hate the players. This is Richard Tahoka. Wait till you see what's coming next. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Yo, brothers. This was the TriTech Games Podcast. You know the drill. It's protected under the Creative Commons License 3.0. No commercial reproduction, no derivatives, and sucker. You best attribute this to the folks at TriTech Games. And if you don't, we'll be having your sorry butts. Cause we're some bad mothers. Hi, this is Trav from the Travcast. Listen to me Tuesday nights, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on listen.dementiaradio.org, colon 8027.